Welcome to the Family Express podcast, where our destination is resilient and connected families. Come aboard with your hosts, marriage and family therapists, Catherine DeBruin and Rhonda Evans, to explore the world of emotionally focused family therapy, a model developed by Sue Johnson and colleagues. Together with our guest speakers, our travels will map the EFFT landscape, highlighting lessons learned, shared fears, and the passion and curiosity that bonds our community. Welcome, everybody. We are so excited for what we have in store for you today. We are here with the uh, amazing and talented Liliana Bailan, here to speak to us about uh, her work with families across cultures and particularly with the Latino community. And uh, we are just so excited for today's conversation. Hi, Liliana. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for the invite. Uh, Yes, of course. Of course. We're happy to have you here. Tell us a little bit about your work, Liliana. Yeah, um, so I've been sharing. Um, I'm an immigrant. Um, I was born in Mexico. Um, I've been in this country for over 30 years. In the U.S., uh, in Colorado, right? In Colorado. Yeah, my family actually migrated first to Wyoming. Culture okay. shock. Yes, <laughs> I can imagine. Of course. Yes. yes. Wow. <laughs> and then we moved to Colorado. Um Counseling is actually my second career. Um, and since I graduated, um, I knew I wanted to work with Latinos. I actually wanted to work with kids. So as I was doing my master's program, I did everything that I needed to do to become a registered play therapist. Ah, um, you know, and then because I was working with kids, like I immediately learned the hard way that I was going to have to work with the families too. Oh, right. <laughs> Don't we all learn the hard way? <laughs> <laughs> but I knew because I was bilingual, I was bicultural, I understood um, what the kids were going through. Um, so I knew from the beginning that I wanted to work with this particular population. So I tend to work with immigrants, refugees, and right now I'm working a lot with DACA recipients. Something that I share with you off before we started is that um, because of that, I decided to go back to school because why not? Um, so I'm doing my PhD program, which is also um, in marriage and family therapy, but I'm focusing on learning more about culture and diversity in a global context. So eventually what I want to do is create more research in order to change the stereotypes that we have about immigrants and first generation. Um, research has not caught up yet. So everything that we're learning is specifically about working with this population is outdated. Okay. So a couple of things, Liliana, did you say you're working with DACA? Yes. And what does that stand for? Uh, oh my God, my mind just went blank. Um, but these are the kids that um, come with their parents. Oh my God, I'm trying to like share this and then think about um, the definition. But these are the kids that come with their parents when they're um, under 18. So um, they have no say where they reside, mm-hmm. um, but they come with their parents and then they go through school a lot of the times not knowing their immigration status. Oh, and okay. usually they found out, it, when they found out, usually it becomes a secret. So they're mm-hmm. really shameful to share. I don't have my great, like, I don't have documents to be here. Oh, I can't yeah. get a driver's license. I cannot go to college. So this program was developed um, in order to help these kids to not leave them on a limbo. Mm-hmm. But every year they go to court, um, meaning like lawyers go to court, try to make it mm-hmm. to create a path for them to become. Um, we're going to use document, uh-huh. documented, documented. 
okay. in order to become um, citizens eventually. Okay. Um, but um, I'm working with them because every year they're in a limbo. So there's a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. working right. with families and working mm-hmm. with this population. So you're working with refugees and undocumented children. And are you doing that? What context are you doing that in? Uh, mainly to help them with um, their trauma. I don't do evaluation. So that's like a different kind of th- um, thing. Yeah. Um, so I tend to help them um, either process their trauma or to advocate for them in schools. So a lot of these kiddos that come with, they witness horrible things that no kid mm-hmm. should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then usually when they go to school, they're having a hard time adjusting to yeah. learning a new language, um, new expectations. Um, and then usually comes as of anxiety or aggression. So usually mm-hmm. the schools will call me to say, can mm-hmm. you work with this kid? He's very aggressive. Mm-hmm. When in reality is the anxiety of the adjustment and what they witness. Okay. And you're doing this like in a private practice context or through a clinic or? So I'm in private practice. Um, However, in Colorado, people know about me. So like they will call me specifically to work with um, schools. Oh, that's amazing that you're out there doing this. And so this prompted you to go back to school to get a PhD Mm -hmm. And you're going to focus your dissertation on um, changing the way we look at immigrants and first generation, specifically Latina families, families coming to the USA. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like one, as I mentioned, research has not caught up yet. So most of the research that has been done is one, based on stereotypes. Um, And then two, tends to be when they do the interviews, tend to do with individuals who already assimilated. Mm, Interesting. So then, yeah, so they're not getting this knowledge. So anytime that I do presentations where I talk about this, I often get asked, like, what proof that you have? Um, so that's one of the reasons I was like, okay, let, let yeah, me we need some proof. proof. We need some good research out there. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I will say one is personal experience as an immigrant and then two, working with this population that I know what I know. Okay. So tell us a little bit about like, what do we need to know? What mistakes are we making? What are the stereotypes we're, we're enhancing? Like, what would you have us know and do differently? Uh, one. I want to thank everyone who's working with this population. <laughs> please, please, please continue working with this population. But two, um, I think one of the big mistakes is the cultural expectations that we have. So when we think about Latinos, we think about usually the ethnicity and we tend to focus with people who migrated from Mexico. When in reality, there are over 30 countries, actually, I think it's 33, that encompasses working with the Latino population. So then we tend to have one stereotype, one mm. way of. Mm. Um, and we miss so much actually about, um, the working with this population. And then most of the Latinos tend to come from a mentality of uh, being in community, collectivism, like as uh, we can call it, uh, it mental health. Yet we tend to, when we're doing family therapy, we tend to encourage children or teens, like, tell me about you. Tell me what you need. Uh, when in reality, I just noticed my tone of voice. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like we focus a lot on the kids and their sense of identity when it's more of a a shame on a collectivistic culture. And so even directing some of those questions first to parents or grandparents. Yes. What you're saying and not asking 
such individualized identity focused questions? Yes. Oh, oh wow. So I'm, like, already, I'm already like, learning. <laughs> oh, so is it like, tell me about your family, not exactly. like, tell me about you? Oh, exactly. Okay. Right. So most of the parents who come in into sessions, um, they have this fear of their children adapting behaviors that are conflicting with their family values when their traditions. And then because we study Western ideas, we tend to project what we think it should happen with this family. So we tend to give labels and we tend to create more conflict after they leave therapy um, because of what we're projecting. It should happen with this family. Mm. Oh, gosh. Could you give us an example of maybe something we might label or project in that way? So think about like the most common one that we all do is like this family is still a mesh. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. Liliana, I'm seeing your face grimace right now. Uh, and this is a pet peeve for me as well. I've, I'm South African and <laughs> I've literally been told, wow, that's a very enmeshed way to live. And I'm like, no, you just don't understand my culture. It's exactly. just a different way of doing relationships. That's exactly it. So right. get, break that down for us. Give an example. I know like in my family system, it is about like we respect our elders and we do kind of mind read and we mm-hmm. like you don't, you're not as direct about things. You kind of intuit what the person needs and then you do it out of love and respect. Exactly. Is that like what you're talking about? That's exactly what I'm talking about. And it's also um, like most of the parents that I work with, the families that I work with, most of the parents talk about not only grief in regards to what they left behind, but also their cultural identity, right? So recently I was in a training and um, a therapist who migrated to the U.S. And I will use the Southern term, bless her heart, automatically jump in. Yes, yes. Parents have to do this. If they came to this country, like bubble, and she went on and on. And I'm like, oh my God. (gasps) Different lens, applying a certain lens that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So she was talking about in a shaming way. Um, and again, we don't know what we don't know. Um, but in a shaming way of um, family assimilation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. instead of, hey, let me learn about this family. What is their cultural identity? How are they connecting? Um, what would be helpful for the children to know? What would be helpful for the parents to know? Let's embrace the family culture versus this is the identity. You come to the U.S., you have to do this thing. Change, yeah. Okay, so I'm trying to imagine being in a room right now with a Latino family. Mm-hmm. You're saying slow down and before you conceptualize the family a certain way yeah. and pathologize or you know come up with our conceptualization, get to know them. And get to know, well, first of all, I guess, learn about the culture so that you can understand it more easily, Mm -hmm. but then really get to know who is this family and how do they do things and how do they do life? And then where is that getting stuck? Exactly. So you simplify it. I'm like, it's not complicated. Um. (laughs) (laughs) So, So I suppose where that could get complex for me in like the EFFT model Mm-hmm. in terms of how we make things explicit. Yes. Is that too direct for an enmeshed, now I'm using the word enmeshed, <laughs> for, a, for a communication that is more intuitive? Like how would we work with that intuitive, indirect communication? Because bringing that out in the open and maybe making that very explicit could be quite threatening. 
it could be scary if it's not organized yet. Right. So the kiddos oh. tend to adjust faster. They're trying to make sense of like, why can I dress like that, be like that? And they're doing it at a survival. Uh, parents are not having that luxury. <laughs> parents are like working and coming home and trying to figure out while maintaining what is familiar to them. So in EFFT, if we go too direct, too like less hurry, because I'm in stage one, I need to do these steps. Mm-hmm. We may lose that attunement in regards to curiosity so that I get to know you, your family values, how you speak to each other, what is mm-hmm. it that I need to honor. Okay. And then and honoring how am I gonna link it to the yes. goals of attachment? Oh. So if are, are you saying some of because this is pretty intuitive between mm-hmm. family members, mm-hmm. it might not be something that has ever been spoken out loud. Mm-mm. And so it could be something they're very aware of. It could be something they're just starting to be aware of. Mm-hmm. And so we just want to work very carefully and in an honoring, respecting way as we start helping these conversations come to the forefront. Yes. Okay. I want you to imagine, I'm going to use the analogy of learning how to drive. Yes. <laughs> I can relate to that. I think all of us can. And I'm making an assumption right now. But when you're learning how to drive, first, you're really anxious and you're trying to memorize that book. Do you guys remember that book? Oh, my word. <laughs> I, think I, fa- I think I failed. Oh, to be honest, I failed my driving test like three times. <laughs> this is <laughs> me, embarrassing. Me too. No, I'm sure I, I, at least I failed twice, just so you know. <laughs> uh, I'm sure if I ask someone, like, they're going to tell me what was more. But like, for, like I'm going to say at least two. <laughs> But then do you remember when you were learning how to write? Not only you memorized, like you got in the car and you were adjusting your mirrors mm-hmm. and making sure your seat, like you were trying to be so cautious about everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then it became so automatic. I think in EFT, EFFT, because we're so anxious about all the steps that we have to follow, we tend to forget to attune to who's in front of us. Just be in the room and just just build a relationship, just enjoy being with each other. Yeah, learn about them, be curious about them, get their whole kind of hear their hear their story. I mean, really exactly. get to know them. Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking like about maybe a therapist block as we're sitting with a new family. Ah. And I kind of think like, because I mean, who doesn't want to sit down with a new family and just be with them and get to know them? That's the fun part of our work. So mm-hmm. what would block us? I think for me, it would be the angst, the pressure, the there's a child is symptomizing. We've got to fix this. There's bad behaviors. We've got to do something really fast. Expectations all on is, us. To me, that's all is the pressure that I put on myself, you know, with a so new thing. Is the expectation. It can be like a whole systems thing. The expectation of the system, the agency that I'm working for, like they're expecting me uh, to do all these things. Mm-hmm. It can be the system of the model. I have to do this to capture and video to become certified. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Practical. Um, <laughs> another episode coming later. <laughs> <laughs> um, it can be the expectation of, I already know this because I took this workshop or I read this book and therefore I know how to work with this population. Yeah. Mm. But I think that the driver right now, isn't the analogy of, of a car, is the fear of getting it wrong. The fear yeah. of being um, canceled because I do not know what if I say the wrong thing? What if I do the wrong thing? Right. And we're thinking about our colleagues, not about our family. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And and that takes us out of just being with 
Yes. And then really seeing mm-hmm. our, the family in front of us, respecting yeah. and honoring and being curious about them, mm-hmm. which maybe is, is this a stereotype to say for these families who are more collectivistic, that matters even more maybe than some other families. Yeah. In a more Western mindset or um, that kind of culture, the right, wrong kind of culture, it would be more about just get get the work done, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's a focus on getting stuff done and mm-hmm. performing. Yeah, a focus on pro- productivity. Focus yeah. on yeah. yeah, it's productivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then with yeah. a, a more collectivistic culture, it's about being mm-hmm. with each other. Exactly. I always yeah. laugh about this, but in again, South Africa's more collectivistic. And when we go to, let's say we go visit a lawyer or a doctor, or the first five to 10 minutes is just chatting, making small talk. Yeah. And I remember having lived in the States for like 10 years. And then I went home and I had to go and see an attorney there about something. And I was getting annoyed with my mom and dad for like making so much small talk. I'm like, we're paying a lot of money for this hour. Let's just get to yeah. And it yeah. was this cultural, you know, standing, yeah. right? That would yeah. be rude. Exactly. That would be so rude to not greet and enjoy and hang out and get to the point too fast is rude, right? I know. You just said that um, recently I went to Mexico. Um, I still have family in Mexico and I saw a friend, a longtime friend, and they like wanted to hug me and kiss me. And I was like, ah, excuse me. And I was oh, like, yes. oh, wait. That's right. Yes. I'm so sorry. I forgot. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. But, but it was also like, let's go, 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 go. Um, yeah. We say in Spanish, I look at the truque, like, let's do this. Um, and it was even a reminder of slow down. How are you doing? Let's get some coffee. Let's get yeah, yeah, yeah. The sense of urgency for me to do what I needed to do so that yeah. I can move on to the next thing, which we can take it and link it to therapy sessions. Right. Right. We're oh, such, such mm-hmm. an urgency to mm-hmm. produce, as Rhonda mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. Um, because of systems, because of uh, model expectations that we tend to get lost and actually learning about who's in front of us. And then those blocks um, also getting um, get on the way of actually me being curious about you and then you being curious about me. Because if I'm inviting you to do this model, am I explaining this model enough and the focus of this model? What if I'm working with a family who, let's just, um, they are in a survival mode mm-hmm. because of their status, because this is a new country, because this is a new language, everything is so foreign. Yeah. So they are in a survival mode. And now I'm asking them and giving them shoulds. You should be doing this. You should allow your children. Like there's all these things that come with where we can lose ourselves mm-hmm. and we can lose the clients. Pressure the family. They're just trying to find their feet in the in in housing and culture. I mean, in just everything, just just creating a home base, right? Mm-hmm. And then exactly. we're expecting them to open up and do really deep work or just mm-hmm. out of out of step with where they are. Mm-hmm. in their lives yeah and then uh, and then the tragedy is making them feel worse right putting more of a burden on them that's the that's the kind of thing you want us to stop doing to yeah, be able, so. to be aware of right mm-hmm. because we're in this profession to to help, help. We're in a yes. helping profession yeah we can't do that well without this knowledge mm-hmm. so i always share with um, any consultant supervisee if you would have met me when i migrated to this country you easily would have called social services on my mom with that understanding that my mom was in a crisis mode, single mother, trying to figure out how to put food on the table, having three children here, 
mm-hmm. not having her community. Um, why my mom decided to do that? She feels like, I don't know. It makes sense. Um, but easily, social services would have been involved with my family. And I have no idea if my siblings and I would have stayed together because of all the stressors that my mom had as an immigrant family. Oh, my goodness. I'm getting wow. chills wow. right now. Wow. You're we're saying here, here we are, we're here to help, right? That's, and you're saying potentially like social services gets called out more on these Latino Im- families. Yes. And actually, and immigrant families. Yes. So actually, social services in our field gets called a lot with minorities. If we're talking about African Americans, if we're talking about Latinos, like they get the most calls exactly because we don't understand family culture. And, um, and you're saying because these families don't have the resources that they need? Well, they don't have the resources and they have not organized um, the information like what is happening. This is my family. They don't they don't know the language of mental health. So how can they advocate for for, um, for themselves? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they take us mental health as experts, professionals. So we yeah. cannot do anything to hurt them. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, missteps that it can happen in our sessions when we're not aware of all these pieces that we're mentioning right now. Wow. Wow. There's so much coming out. Okay. This is all good information to know. So I I bet you have more information for us. So can you give us an idea of uh, other, other barriers? Uh, What else should we know? Um, And maybe we can say a little bit about some of those. Mm -hmm. So as you're listening to this, all of you who are listening, take a deep breath. We're going to be okay. Um, but besides cultural expectations, um, like another thing will be language barriers. Um, most of us uh, who are therapists primarily are talking English. So that may be a barrier. What if the parents are just like learning? Um, so there can be a lot of miscommunication there. Um, a lot of children who switch automatically to English because they want to fit in and they're like so emerge on it. So we have to be aware of it. Um, we, we can use translators, but they don't catch everything up. So just be aware of that. And then if you say, uh, it's okay, say in Spanish, just know that if you don't know the context of what is being said in Spanish, you may miss something that might be like catch, even though we're not using that, like catch the bullet. We have to be careful because they may say something that we may not be able to clarify, to pivot, to redirect in the moment. The other thing that I will name is the socioeconomic challenges. So, um, when we're working specifically with, minorities they may they may not have the same access to resources that we have so making the assumption that they can come once a week twice a week that they can pay for longer sessions that they that they, that may create a barrier for them and shame may take over so we do have to be aware and at the same token not every latino will have this issue so we have to get to know the client but be aware that they, this may be um, something that it may be a barrier for them. So we want to ask questions. Um, the other thing will be um, their immigration status. So I mentioned like I work with DACA recipients, um, which I still cannot remember what's the definition of DACA. It's going to drive me crazy. Um, but um, first of all, not all Latinos will have this issue. But if they do, there's a lot of shame because when they come to therapy, um, there's a misconception of if I tell you, are you going to share this? And if you share this, am I going to get in trouble? Are they going to separate the family? Like what's going to happen here? So there's a lot of fear in regards to separation and deportation. Um, so a lot of the kids with the families that you're working with will have anxiety because they're holding a big secret. 
So just be aware of that too. And then we can have the acculturation assimilation stress. As I mentioned early, um, when we come to this country, which is the country of opportunities, uh, the American dream, like we can call all these things, right? But it also comes with expectations. We want to believe that we live in a society where um, we want people to be, um, to acculturate, like whole part of your identity. Uh, we want to honor this. But the reality is that, uh, no, as a whole, we're expecting the family to assimilate so that they can speak our language, dress like us, behave like us, eat like us, so we have something in common because the brain is looking for what's familiar. Oh, that's uh, so helpful, Liliana. Um, that you're already breaking it down for us. Um, I had a question for you about the the documentation question for mm -hmm. our our clients who are undocumented, mm -hmm. knowing that they that they could be carrying that tremendous secret and the angst around it. Is mm -hmm. that something we should say something about, like in a first session, in terms of alliance building? Like, just if say that that's not important to us, or we're you know mm -hmm. state that we're not going to be reporting them, or. Mm -hmm. Um, so attune. And if that comes out, um, say, you know, whatever you say here is confidential. I don't share with anyone unless you want me to. Um, you let me know what is helpful. Um, but we explain what confidentiality means. And hopefully all of us are doing that when mm -hmm. we're doing tech sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, so the families can be, um, they can have a relief. Most of the clients that I work yeah. with, um, they, they, they have that. So I tend to name that because they come for me for a specific reason. Yeah. Um, so they yeah. know. Yeah, that's very reassuring then, right? Mm -hmm. And the other thing I'm reflecting on is I have had some Latino families that I've lost in treatment. They've come for a few sessions and then kind of just gone. And I'm pretty sure that that is because of the fees or, you know, my treatment plan didn't quite fit. Or So I was wondering about like the shame you were talking about or the pressure to conform to this expert's opinion. Um, how would we see that shame showing up? And um, do you think that might be what was happening in those cases? It can be, right? So I have learned because there are certain physical cues that happen, right? Like they lower their face, their eyes like go down to the floor. Mm. Um, so I tend to say, you know, um, my hope is that you will let me know if there are some barriers that I can help you with. Um, is it accessibility? Like, how can you get, like, well, do you need transportation? Like, do you have transportation? Um, it's money a concern because you need to decide, do I pay my electricity bill or do I come to therapy? I hope therapy is not that expensive. Um, mm -hmm. but like they may be, right? So then, um, it's up to you if it's within, um, and, and you can lower that by offering a sliding fee, then by all means, uh, I think we can all benefit from it. Um, so I tend to ask and like name it that way. Like mm -hmm. I know there's months that I'm like, what do I pay? Um, and they start laughing and they're like, yeah, it's mm -hmm. like, okay, how can I support you on this? Cause I want to make sure that, um, you come to therapy and receive what you need. And I also need to make a living because I have to pay this space to see you. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I tend to be very playful with it. That's a nice way to alleviate that angst as well. And the, yeah, the discomfort of just saying that out loud, right? So mm -hmm. thinking of us EFFTers and how much um, rupture and repair is part of our model, but also how much we, we kind of expect to build a relationship where people will directly bring things up and hash it out with us. And that might not 
go over well in this culture. And so we really need to, number one, just attune very Mm -hmm. carefully, but also to open up doorways to some of these conversations, right? Knowing that these might be some of the the barriers and cultural factors to invite Mm -hmm. these playfully into the space. Yeah. So I will say that um, we will close with, don't make the assumption that every Latino is the same. Do not make the assumption that every Latino will have a language barrier, financial barrier, and don't assume that every Latino family has the same issues. We come so diverse. Uh, we have different traditions. We have different socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, we are different. The only thing that we have in common is language, Spanish, and even that sometimes gets me in trouble because it has different meaning. Um, so be curious. Slow down. Don't try to get there too fast. You will get there, I promise you. Um, but you need to slow it down quite a bit. Thank you, Liliana. Wow. Appreciate this. I have one more question before we have to lose you. Um, You're just a wealth of information. Um, So appreciate having you here. Hmm. Um, What do you think about EFFT as a model Mm -hmm. for Latino families? How how appropriate is this model? Very general question there. Yeah, it works. In my experience, it works. I'm, I'm an attachment therapist. Um, so I always look for any model that I've been trained to. And because I work with this population, I tend to be diverse in regards to models. Um, but I look at that to have the attachment component. So in regards to AFFT, it works. Um, it is focused on talk therapy. And if the clients are in a survival um, mindset or English is not the first language or it's not organized in order to know this is what my family is um, having issues with. Um, then the model himself can get like he can create black for us. But if you are learning about this population and if you take some of the little nuggets that we dropped in here today, um, EFFT, it's great for working with this population. If you are working with kids who are younger than 13, this is where we say like bring the play therapy aspect to it. Um, because a lot of the times, Actually, I have um, right now I'm working with a family and they're five and they're all adults. I'm using play therapy techniques like to help them come in together um, to learn about how to be in, um, uh, in a family um, and how to deal with conflict um, using expressive arts, using like these things that I bring in, even though we're doing EFFT, um, mm-hmm. because the language has not been integrated yet in order to share and act yet. Got it. My mind is blown right now about how you're how you're integrating all of that, um, and and by doing so, tending to a, a language barrier. I just think that's beautiful. Um, okay. Yeah, I feel moved right now. Well, you've got a very big heart for your people and for this topic around immigration, and um, we just really love what you're doing in the states and other places and. Um, look forward to hearing more from you and learning more about your work and sending people your way and just yeah thank you thank you thank you for what you're doing out there no thank you for this space and when you finish your phd come back and talk to us and tell us what more come back and let us celebrate you we will after that like (laughs) yes yes yes. (laughs) all right liliana thank you so much for being here that's it for today folks thank you for listening and we hope to see you again for our next journey